volatility, uncertainty, complexity. This is the work environment that is our reality. What will leaders need to know to be successful in the future? Who will they need to be to build team member commitment? How will they need to show up to create a motivating environment for their people? Welcome to the Sal Sylvester on the Future of Leadership podcast, a dialogue about how leaders will need to adapt to be successful in a rapidly changing world. And now, please join your host and executive producer, Sal Sylvester, to engage in the conversation about the future of leadership and how to transform people into confident leaders. Hello, and welcome to season four of Sal Sylvester on the Future of Leadership. I am Sal Sylvester, your host. I'm also the founder and CEO of 512 Solutions, an executive coaching and leadership development firm in Boulder, Colorado, helping organizations create healthy, aligned, and more human workplaces. I'm also the founder and CEO of Coach Metrics, a cloud-based tool we developed to measure behavioral change in coaching and leadership development. Thank you so much for joining me today to talk about the future of leadership. As you probably know, season four is all about the future of work. We're focusing on this post-pandemic era, what it's like to transition back from our COVID days and back into the workplace, hybrid work environments, so many challenging and interesting transitions ahead. Leaders will need to think about how they engage their people and their workforce differently. So this season, we're talking with human resources executives and other executives to get a sense of what they're seeing and how they're guiding and leading their organizations through this transition. And it's a transition where there is not necessarily a playbook. In our previous episodes this season, we've interviewed leaders from Columbia Sportswear Company, Hewlett Packard Enterprise, Evolve Vacation Rental. Today, we're shifting so we can get a point of view from local government. Today's guest is Sandy Cedar. She's the assistant city manager for the city of Longmont here in Colorado. Sandy's passion for involving the community in their government comes out in everything that she does. I've had the opportunity to work with Sandy and she's an amazing human being. Sandy's worked for the city of Longmont for 22 years, serving as the assistant city manager for the past seven years. And Sandy is responsible for providing outstanding service to Longmont staff by overseeing the shared services divisions. Let's go to the interview with Sandy now. Sandy, welcome to the Future of Leadership podcast. Thank you, Sal. It's so nice to be here. I appreciate the invitation. It is great to have you here. And our previous guests have come from both large private organizations and smaller, fast growth, more startup technology companies. So it's really nice to have your perspective, giving us a point of view from local government. And I'm really interested in hearing what you've noticed about how employees' attitudes have changed, about how they think about work and maybe some of their expectations from employers. I appreciate that question, Sal, because we, in government, I think one of the things we joke about is that nobody would ever start a business that looks like this, right? Where you provide the water and the power, oh, and some security and safety. And, you know, by the way, you should probably also have a rec center in there and some libraries. (laughs) And so, you know, our workforce is so incredibly diverse and some of them were never, nothing really changed for them except for the danger they perceived in their jobs, right? Jobs that used to be 
handling customer questions and customer service, you know, just routinely all of a sudden became sort of dangerous in the times of COVID. And then for a lot of folks, right, public safety folks, utilities folks, our line crews, things did not change a whole lot other than the safety protocols that they had to follow. So I think what I will focus on a little bit today is those that we had to send home once we had shutdowns and and what that really looked like, because they were the ones that endured sort of the largest change during the pandemic. Mm. And what I have seen that they have attitudes have changed around a little bit. We often plan for continuity of operations in government to say, okay, so if there was a tornado, a disaster, a pandemic, how are we going to respond? And we actually had planned for this kind of pandemic happening, but everything was theoretical. Like theoretically, I could send all the folks home. We have the technology that we could send all of our call centers home and theoretically they could answer the phone from home. But what this did was it put all of those theoretical questions into practice. And so it stretched those employees in ways that I think none of us could have possibly imagined so that they now recognize that the depth and the breadth of what they can do from anywhere, regardless of whether they're in the office or not. And I think they realized much more deeply the pros and cons of that, right? And so for some, depending on whether you were also remote schooling your children and for others, if you were caring for elderly at your house or whatever that looks like and trying to maintain work-life balance, that became a tougher and different balancing act. For others, it increased efficiency, it increased their ability to use technology. Well, I think that's the case for everyone. But what I really see in changing is the opportunities are wide. The future is wide open and unknown for how we're going to be able to move forward and what things you want to try to retain from the experience and what things you're perfectly happy to give back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so a couple of questions. One, I'm, I'm really curious how the, I don't even know if this is the right language, the essential workers, where things didn't stay the same, folks that were working in operations or the water plant or streets, how have you addressed that hybrid working environment to date and help people navigate sort of that? Some people are at home, some people are at work at their traditional workplace. What's that look like for you? For us, we've been trying to focus on our customers because that's really the base. Our, our customers, our taxpayers, our ratepayers, those are the folks that pay our bills and create the funding for our services. And so we've been trying to get folks to focus back on the customer and what it is that they need. So for example, for plans examiners that may have been able to work from home during the pandemic, their customers actually found them easier to find, easier to work with because they were able to do it remotely and didn't have to make an appointment and come in and all this kind mm. of stuff. And so for that customer base, taking a look at, okay, so, so what do we do now has to base in the customer. If you are a fitness teacher, right? We did some of that over video, but it was pretty hard to do it over video. And in the end, people want to come in and join a group fitness and be part of that group and that camaraderie. So thinking of the customers, those are employees that need to come in to be able to do their work. Same thing with utilities. But I think that there certainly has been a rift that is created between those who can work from home and those who can't. And so the conversation that we're trying to have in the organization is flexibility is the name of the game at this point. How do we provide that flexibility for all employees, regardless of whether they have to report into work or whether they don't? So for example, if you had childcare issues, then maybe even if you're working on a crew in sanitation or you're working on a crew in a water crew, maybe there's some flexibility still that you could have in that work 
that it really, we have to look at that. We have to take time to understand the needs of the employees and be able to provide the most flexibility we can. Some jobs are going to have less than others. You know, I think we've acknowledged that, but what we try to do is focus on what are the customer needs and then what are the employee needs and how do we balance these? Yeah. And what I love about that is those two needs, they are needs that span everyone's role, regardless of whether you work at the library, the rec center, in sanitation, in public works, environmental services, those focus areas span all of those different roles. And it's not an easy culture change. I think people no. think, oh, you know, this is the job and this is the time frame, and there is not flexibility around it. One of the divisions in the shared services is our fleet division. And, you know, they, at one point, when we first introduced flexible workplace conversations, they said exactly the example I gave you. One person had some issues with childcare. They asked for a flexible schedule. And I think the manager was like, uh, uh, I can't even imagine what that would look like. And I said, well, then we got to talk about it. So the group got Mm. together and the team themselves decided to change their whole schedule in order to accommodate and assist the staff member who needed the flexibility. So it can be done. It can be done in labor trades. It can be done you know, everywhere. Flexibility looks different for everyone. And of course, that's why it's complicated and convoluted and tough for people to get their arms around sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Sandy, as you think about teams in this, you know, future of work environment, maybe where there's some hybrid work arrangements or more flexibility to your point, how do teams need to adapt and some suggestions around how they navigate the future of work? You know, I always think that any time a new team member enters a team, maybe with some regularity, it's important for them to go through their operating agreements. How do we treat each other? What are our expectations from each other? How do we hold each other accountable? And this is really no different. It's just a different work environment. So as we have people that have different hybrid schedules, we did a survey in the city, 35% of our staff would like to continue a hybrid schedule and 10% would like to continue full remote. Well, if that's the schedule that people are starting to have, how does support staff actually support those folks? Those operating agreements need to be revised and be discussed and be part of a brainstorming. You know, the example that I gave you about fleet, I think is amazing because what it shows is that teams can come together to create different work environments that support each other individually. So it's an interesting, it's such a neat thing to be able to see, but the teams have to meet, it has to be discussed, it has to be communicated. How are we going to hold each other accountable? How are we going to treat each other? And how do we know when we're off kilter a little bit? Yeah, there's an element here of flexibility of interpersonal flexibility or even personal agility to figure this out as we move through this transition. I I know you've done a lot of work around policy and planning. And the reality is we've never been through this before. There isn't necessarily a playbook. So even at the team level, this element of agility, just as a personal characteristic will become more and more important. You know, one thing that I passed on to our entire staff actually yesterday was the work planning that you provided in your last article, because it really helped to say, okay, so how are we going to message this? What what do we want for people to know? What are our challenges? What do we need to lay out? We can plan this. We plan everything else. We can plan this too. And so I really appreciated that tool, Sal. So thank you. Great. And it's for our listeners, it's, we'll include that in the episode page for this episode, but it's a, it's a template to really help organize communication around how these future of work changes will roll up or any change for that matter. Sandy, as you think about leaders, what will leaders need to do more of, less of, or differently to be successful in the future of work? 
you know, I think we've always talked about communication being important as being a supervisor, just making sure that you're listening to the needs of your employees and also making sure that you're paying attention to what the customer is looking for out of your services. That's kind of timeless. But I think the pivot on it is that rather than our old flexible workplace policy said that if an employee would like some level of flexibility, they need to come to the supervisor and have that discussion and talk about how they could do that. And I really think that the script is flipped in this case. And so what leaders need to be able to do is to be proactive in their communication with their staff. Mm. Silence is also a statement, right? So if I never talk to you about flexibility in your workplace, that's I'm saying something by not saying anything. So I really think that for leaders, we have to, you know, rather than saying, why do you want to do that? Or how does it benefit? We need to be looking at why not? Why wouldn't that work? How could we make sure that our customers are taken care of with either a flexible schedule or, you know, some different level of technology or whatever that may be? It's a really great point. There's some assumptions here, many assumptions that we probably all have to challenge as we experience this new transition. Yes, I've challenged my own supervisors that I work with and myself, it's my own self too. You know, when somebody says, hey, what about this? I've been challenging myself to hold back the <laughs> moment right. of, what are you talking about? Yeah, You gotta pull that back, really listen to the idea and talk about why not? Why not? Why wouldn't that work? Let's try it. It's a great question for us all to consider. One final question, Sandy. What are you most anxious about in this transition? I am worried about that rift, that divide Mm. between those who can be more flexible and those who can't. I mean, we've seen it forever between exempt and non-exempt employees. You know, we've seen it forever between management and workers. It's just another place to divide people. And so I really hope that everybody understands that their role is crucial. In local government, every role is crucial to providing those services to our community. And so I hope people understand that how it's delivered, as long as the results are being given, can look all kinds of ways. And I hope that they're open to the fact that their way may look different than somebody else's and understand that it's for the best for the community. Yeah. In many ways, we're defining how inclusivity may look different, differently in the future. And it's going to be a really, really key role to bring people together and not apart. Sandy, thank you. And thank you for all the services that you provide to the Longmont community. The leadership and leadership team there are just amazing human beings. And I'm so grateful that you were able to join me today. Thank you, Sal. Let me just mention one other quick thing that I think is important for people to remember. If you are caring about your staff, you are respecting the work that they do. You are understanding who they are and what they need. This isn't going to be as hard as we all think it will be. Mm, I love that. Thanks, Sandy. Thanks for having me, Sal. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Sal Sylvester on the Future of Leadership podcast. You can get session notes on our website at 512solutions.com. That's the numbers 512solutions.com. Please follow and like the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're tuning in. And if you want to learn more about how we can help transform your people into confident and action-oriented leaders, please check out our website at 512solutions.com. I look forward to continuing the conversation about the future of leadership. I'm out.